0: I was 28 years old when my doctor told me that I'd be dead within two years if I didn't dramatically lose weight. I weighed 500 pounds, and I had no self-control when it came to eating. It wasn't uncommon for me to eat 10 Big Macs within a single meal. I had pretty much given up on life, and I thought that death would be the only way to end my miserable existence. But because I had nothing left to lose, I suddenly came up with a crazy idea. What if I traveled to a remote island without food and stayed there for a whole year? Force starvation would leave me with no other choice than to lose weight. Now, I knew that fasting for long periods of time could be dangerous. Just recently, a guy in China died after water fasting for only 57 days. But as I already mentioned, my doctor told me I'd be dead soon anyway. So I went ahead and booked two seats on a flight to Papua New Guinea a big island in the Pacific Ocean, surrounded by lots of smaller islands. Of course, I had made other preparations. I had bought vitamin pills, a water filter, and even some shackles, so I could tie myself to a palm tree on the island. Last but not least, I asked a local fisherman to take me to a deserted island. I paid him $500 and told him that if he picked me up again a year later, that I would give him another $2,000 in cash. When I showed him the money, his eyes lit up, and I knew for sure that he would come back to save me once the one-year period was over. We sailed for several days, until we found an island with a freshwater spring. It was inside a small jungle, and that's where I tied myself to a palm tree. The fisherman must have thought I was crazy, but he promised to be back after 365 days. Oh, and if you're wondering why I brought the shackles, It's because I was worried that a random sailor would visit my island, and I would ask them to take me back to the mainland. So, there I was, shackled to a palm tree. The first week was painful. My hunger got so bad, I started chewing on the tree bark. But in the second week, something fascinating happened. For the first time in my life, I felt truly at peace. No one judged me for being a fat loser, and that's when I realized why I had always eaten so much in the first place. Eating gave me a feeling of comfort in a world that scared me. It was my coping mechanism for stress and anxiety. I probably developed it as a kid when my mom kept telling me I was a disappointment. I still remember that from ages of 8 to 14. She didn't look me a single time into the eyes. That's how ashamed she was of me. So it's no wonder that I felt unloved and lonely, and to feel better I would go buy as much chocolate as I could and then eat it to feel good for a moment. But here, on my island, I was safe, and my hunger soon disappeared. Out of boredom, I even started working out. At first, I could only do sit-ups, but after four months, I had lost enough fat that I could train my whole body, doing push-ups, squats, and any exercise you could imagine. I felt like I finally had my life under control. But oh boy, I would soon find out how wrong I was about that. After day 180, I had lost enough weight that I could get my foot out of the shackles. I was free and thought that it might be healthier to start eating a little bit again. So I made a spear out of wood and went fishing. The first two weeks, I had no success. But then I caught a small octopus with my bare hands. It was a crazy fight with the squid squirting black ink in my face. But I succeeded, and had my first meal in almost 200 days! Of course, that was barely enough food for a single day, and my fast continued. And besides working out for several hours a day, I would also meditate for around 6-10 to hours. One time, I even had an out-of-body experience. It felt as if my spirit floated out of my body and looked down upon me. I still can't explain it, but those things happen when you meditate a lot. Finally, I felt at peace with myself. Even though I missed human contact, when I saw a sailboat heading to my beach, I started waving. But they quickly turned around and sailed away again when they saw me. I realized I had probably scared them because I was naked. Well, I continued to exercise until my one-year stay was completed. I still remember when the fisherman came and saw me. He couldn't believe how slim and fit I was. I had lost more than 300 pounds, and I got jacked. Back home in the U.S., I immediately went to my mom's house. I wanted to show her that her son wasn't the fat loser she had known before. Mom, it's me! She took a look at me and responded. Oh, you finally lost some weight. Too bad you're stuck with that ugly face. Wow, someone was in a bad mood. I tried to shake it off, saying, Yeah, but I'm feeling good on the inside, and that's what matters. Well, do you even have a girlfriend? Ouch. She had hit my weak point. I was 29 and still a virgin. I decided to go to a cafe where my high school crush was working. I wondered if she'd be interested in me now that I was better looking. Hey, remember me? I'm Seth from high school. Oh, hey. What can I do for you? Um, just a coffee. And by the way, do you want to grab a drink after work? I'm curious how you were doing, and there are some good bars around here. Ugh. Yikes. Leave me alone. We weren't even friends in school. Ouch. Her words hurt, and I realized that I was still an unattractive loser to girls. No one wanted me. I went home devastated and fell back into my old habits. I ordered two family-sized pizzas and ate them in less than 30 minutes. It was another low point in my life, but this time, I didn't even have a job so once my money ran out, I was thrown out of my apartment and became homeless. By then, I was back at 300 pounds, and now I had to sleep on park benches. Luckily, I managed to take out another $20,000 loan from my bank, but I spent it all on food over the next six months. That's how I ended up gaining another 100 pounds. Every night I went to sleep, praying I would die of a heart attack and never wake up again from this nightmare of a life. But that didn't happen. And then I ran out of money. I asked mom to let me stay with her, but she said she didn't want a bum living in her house. So I stayed homeless and tried begging. Unfortunately, people don't give much money to fat guys like me. And I resorted to stealing sweets from supermarkets. One time I carried 10 packs of Oreos under my jacket outside of the store. But I was miserable and thought about going back to the island or some other place where I had no choice but to lose weight. And then it hit me. The army. They would never allow one of their soldiers to stay fat. I applied the very same day, but was told by a recruiter that I had to get down to 24% body fat to be accepted. I thought, no problem, and went into the woods. I camped next to a river and chained myself to a big tree and threw the key far away. Again, I had no food with me, and the only way to free myself was to fell the tree with my pocket knife. It was a big tree, so I knew it would take months. To be exact, it took three months, which was long enough for me to become thin again. Then I applied to the army again, and this time successfully. It was the best decision of my life, because when I started overeating again during basic training, my sergeant noticed it and started publicly humiliating me by making me walk around without a shirt at all times, so everyone could see how overweight I was. It was so embarrassing that I actually started to eat less. And in the meantime, my sergeant also made sure I trained extra hard. If others ran three miles, I had to run six. Today, I'm still in the army, and I'd rather endure hunger than my sergeant making me train double. By the way, I know how ridiculous this whole story must sound to you, but hey, it's the only way I know I can stay thin. Honestly, I'm just glad I'm still alive. Just do me a favor and don't fast for long periods of time without the supervision of a doctor. Some people die after a few months without food, and it's probably not worth the risk. Instead, you should befriend a bunch of fit guys, because if they see you getting fat, they will make endless fun of you. And that should be enough motivation to stay lean. So,
3: there I was, minding my own business, cleaning the floors when Mr. Fancy Suit walked by and sneered at me. A janitor, huh? Is that the best you could do with your life? I smirked and replied, well, at least I'm not leaving messes for others to clean up. His words would fuel my journey to show them all just how wrong they were about me. Get ready, because this janitor is about to clean up, and I don't just mean the floors. It all started when I was working at this fancy bank, mopping the floors like it was nobody's business. The bank owner, Mr. Arrogant, approached me with a snobbish grin and said, it must be so sad being uneducated and having to settle for a job like this. I clenched my teeth and replied, well, at least I'm not a pompous jerk. But inside, I was fuming. You see, what Mr. Arrogant didn't know was that I had a brilliant mind and I wasn't gonna let his snide comments go unanswered. So I did what any self-respecting janitor with a vendetta would do. I planned a heist and boy, was it a good one. With a little bit of research and a lot of hard work, I managed to break into the bank owner's vault, emptying it of its riches without leaving a single trace. And just like that, the smug bank owner got a taste of his own medicine. Who's uneducated now, huh? After successfully robbing the bank, I was enjoying my new wealth when Miss Fake It Till You Make It, a beauty influencer, decided to ridicule me for being a janitor. Her words stung, but it only fueled my desire to prove her wrong. So. I used some of my newfound fortune to create an eco-friendly, honest brand. And guess what? It exploded in popularity, making me even more famous than her. When she tried to score a sponsorship deal with my company, I just smirked, sorry, we only work with genuine people. The satisfaction was indescribable. Life took a wild turn after that. Suddenly, I was living the high life, surrounded by gorgeous supermodels, attending VIP events and spending 100000 in a single night without even breaking a sweat. It was a far cry from my janitor days, and I couldn't help but enjoy the sweet taste of success. It's amazing how quickly things can change when you show those snobs who's boss. So this rich dude comes up to me, not realizing I was just dressed as a janitor for fun, missing my old simple lifestyle. He says, Hey, janitor boy, I bet you don't even know how to play poker tell you what, you can keep my house and my girlfriend, but if you lose, they're mine." I couldn't help but smirk at his arrogance. As we sat down to play, he kept trash-talking me, saying things like, "'You really think you stand a chance against me? I played poker with celebrities, and you're just a janitor!' I just smiled and replied, "'Well, you know what they say, cleanliness is next to godliness.'" We played through the night, and just when he thought he had me cornered, I revealed my winning hand. His jaw dropped and I couldn't help but chuckle. Looks like I just cleaned up, I said with a grin. Instead of taking his money, I decided to take his girlfriend. She rolled her eyes at him and said, I always knew you were a lousy poker player. I'm happy to leave you for someone who knows how to play the game and how to treat people right. As we walked away, I revealed my true identity, leaving the rich guy stunned and humiliated. There I was, wearing my janitor outfit for a charity event I organized when I found a rich developer who planned to demolish my parents' house to build luxury homes. No way was I letting that happen. I pulled some strings, got involved with the decision-making process, and confronted the developer at a packed city council meeting. My parents' house is more than just a building. It's a home filled with memories and love, I told him, my voice loud and clear. The room went silent, and the developer stared at me, baffled. Who are you? he asked. Grinning, I replied, Just a janitor with a heart of gold. I turned to the crowd, my voice full of passion. Who here has a home they love? Who here has memories they cherish? Hands shot up all over the room. We can't let this developer take away what makes our city special. Our homes, our community, our memories. The crowd erupted in applause and people began sharing their stories of love, family and the homes they held dear. The developer realizing he was losing the battle tried to argue his case. Think of the jobs, the economic boost, he shouted. I raised my hand to silence him. We can create jobs without sacrificing our homes and our past. We can build a better future together without forgetting where we come from. The entire city stood behind me, and the developer had no choice but to back down. Money isn't everything. Sometimes, even a janitor can save the day. One day, I was dining at a fancy restaurant with my gold digger crush, who didn't know about my newfound wealth. I decided to wear my old janitor uniform to see her reaction. As expected, she was all about the glamour, loudly shaming me for not affording the most expensive items on the menu. I played along, pretending to be hurt by her words, but the next day, I pulled up to her place in a brand new luxury car, dressed to the nines. She couldn't believe her eyes. Hey, remember when you shamed me for not affording the most expensive stuff at the restaurant? I asked, smirking. Well, guess who just made a fortune? her jaw dropped and she stammered you but but how i laughed (laughs) turns out even a janitor can strike it rich as i drove away i could see the regret in her eyes little did she know she'd missed out on a fantastic life with a guy who knew the true value of hard work and love karma had spoken and i was loving every minute of it one day i was invited to a costume party at my friend's luxurious mansion The theme was Humble Beginnings, where the attendees were supposed to dress up as someone from their past or a profession they'd done before. I thought it'd be a great opportunity to remind myself of where I came from. So I decided to dress up as a janitor, my old job. As I was helping clean up a spilled drink at the party, a group of spoiled party girls walked by, laughing and pointing at me. Look at this loser, pretending to be a janitor, one of them taunted. Ew, and what's with that cheap outfit, another added. I rolled my eyes and decided to have some fun with them. This cheap outfit you're making fun of is actually a limited edition designer shirt, I said smirking. They didn't believe me, so I challenged them to tear it off and see for themselves. As they reluctantly tugged at my shirt, they couldn't help but gasp at my toned abs. Wow, he's hot! One of them whispered to her friend, and when they saw the designer label, their faces turned red with embarrassment. This is worth thousands of dollars! one of them exclaimed with a sly grin I put my shirt back on and continued enjoying the party leaving the girls in awe their shallow judgments backfiring on them they'd just learned a valuable lesson never judge a book by its cover and always be aware of the context behind people's actions you won't believe this other crazy thing that happened to me so I was at this wild party and the host suddenly announces a bizarre challenge sharing an enormous t-shirt with someone for 24 hours and who do I get paired with? My crush! We wriggled into the t-shirt, feeling all kinds of awkward. Well, this is one way to break the ice, I joked. She giggled, and our initial awkwardness started to fade. We had some of the funniest moments of our lives that day. Picture this. We were trying to squeeze through a doorway and got stuck right in the middle. Maybe if we twist like pretzels, we'll make it, she suggested, as we began wiggling through the tight space. Or we could just moonwalk our way out, I quipped, and we both burst into laughter. Despite the sticky situations, the 24-hour t-shirt challenge turned out to be a blast. It actually brought us closer than ever, transforming a potentially cringe-worthy experience into a hilarious, unforgettable memory. One day, I was walking around in my favorite vintage jacket when a group of girls started to make fun of it. Hey, nice jacket! Did you find it in the trash? They sneered. I shrugged off their comments, but before I could walk away, a stylish woman approached me. Oh my god! That jacket is to die for! I've been looking for one like this forever! She gushed. I'll give you $2,500 for it right now! The girls' jaws dropped, and they couldn't believe what they were hearing. I smirked, handing over the jacket, and walked away with a fat stack of cash. Another time, this gold digger I knew turned me down for a date just because my t-shirt had a tiny hole in it. Little did she you know, it was a limited edition designer t-shirt worth $10,000! $10,000! After I'd made the fortune and started living the high life, she came crawling back, full of regret. Oh, I didn't know you were so successful now. Maybe we could give it another shot? She suggested, but I just shook my head and smiled. Sorry, I only date people who appreciate me for who I am, not just my bank account. So thanks, but no thanks. I walked away, leaving her to wallow in her shallow choices. Sweet, sweet karma. As the years went by, I continued to embrace my newfound success while staying true to my roots i never forgot the lessons i learned from my humble beginnings as a janitor and i always made sure to treat others with kindness and respect regardless of their social status one day i decided to host a grand charity event inviting all the people i had encountered on my journey the rich and the poor the influential and the humble and even those who had once mocked or underestimated me as the event unfolded i took the stage and addressed the crowd Tonight, we celebrate not just my personal success, but the power of resilience and the human spirit. It's not about how much money you have or the designer clothes you wear. It's about the person you choose to be and the impact you have on others. The applause was deafening, and I could see the faces of those who had once belittled me, now filled with respect and admiration. That night, we raised a significant amount of money for charity, giving back to the community and helping those in need. As I looked around the room, I realized that I had achieved the most satisfying ending to my journey. I had not only overcome my own obstacles and found success, but I had also used my influence to make a real difference in the world. And that, my friends, is, is what true success and happiness are all about.
2: I hate it when people tell me I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. Especially when they don't know how awful my parents were to me. My name is Koda and from the very start of my life, they made it their mission to make me feel like my birth didn't matter. I never had a birthday, never celebrated one, because they never told me when I was born and how old I was. The one thing they did for me was giving me a king's education. I had the best tutors in the world, the most private education. I had teachers and professors give me private classes in my own home. I was isolated from the world, but I also became a genius. But even though my mind was sharp as a needle, I gravitated towards the arts. I was a creative at heart, and the one thing I loved doing the most was singing. By age six, I was already singing classical pieces that even grown adults found intimidating to perform, and I did it all in the privacy of our attic. My most profound talent became my biggest secret, because if my parents found out, I knew they would do all they could to stop me from singing. I used my intelligence to study music on my own. And whenever my parents would go on holidays, I would sneak music teachers into our house. And I would have them teach me everything they knew. The best voice coaches in the world came to teach me in secret. I was always alone. Not going to regular schools like everybody else made me lonely. I didn't have the chance to meet friends. And that sadness, I channeled it all into music. One day, while I was doing my vocal warm-ups, my mom heard me. She dragged me to my dad without a word. and then. She told on me. Your son... has been singing! Singing? What are you, some commoner? We hire people for entertainment, boy. We're not the ones who step so low as to be the entertainment! You will stop this nonsense now, or you'll be cut off of the will! I suggest you focus your efforts on becoming the best businessman you can be! After all, you will have to run the company when we retire. I had no choice. No one to turn to. I grew up shy and socially awkward. And I was weak. I did everything my parents told me to because I never had the guts to fight back. I stopped singing for a while, but when I was really down, I would still do it. It was the only thing that cheered me up. It was on the day that our mansion was being renovated that I met her. The noise from the workers was so loud that I decided to put my earbuds on to drown them out. But without noticing, I had started singing along at the top of my lungs. Suddenly, my mom slapped me. Shut that mouth of yours! Can't you hear we have company? Butler, get the door! And when the doors opened, I saw the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. She flipped her hair and said hello to my parents. I'm so sorry. I was walking my dog down the street when I heard the most beautiful voice coming from your house. May I ask who was singing? No one! No one here sings! How dare you accuse us of doing such disgusting things! Oh, uh, it's just... I'm also a singer, and... uh, Perhaps it was your son. Nonsense! Butler, get this trespasser off my property! I was 16 when I finally found out my real birthday. I bribed one of the doctors who was working in the hospital I was born at. So I wanted to throw a party. And I wanted to celebrate it by sharing the songs I wrote to the world. I was ready to show the world who I really was. But then my parents shut down my plans, saying I was not worthy of celebrating my own birthday. They told me that only when I ascended through our company and became worthy of being CEO will I be able to do whatever I wanted for my special day. I was so depressed I ran out of the house and got lost in the maze in the garden. It was then that I heard a beautiful voice like a mermaid's, and like a sailor lost at sea, I followed the siren's call. Until I emerged from the maze and saw her on the other side of our walls, singing as she played her guitar. Hey, I was waiting for you. You You're that girl? From before? Yeah, and I've come back for you. Your parents stifle your true talent. You should come with me. She climbed up the wall and offered me her hand to take. And I was in love at first sight. She was offering me freedom. And I took it. I ran away with Ari after she learned what a bad life I had. She hid me in a recording company studio so that my parents wouldn't be able to find me. That was when I found out that Ari was a rich recording artist. Ari fed me, clothed me, hid me, and hired bodyguards for me. I felt really safe going out after that, knowing that my parents could never take me back by force. I worked at the studios, writing and recording late at night when nobody was there. I wrote lots of amazing songs, and after six months of living there, I was able to complete an entire album that I knew would be a hit. Only one day... I woke up and all my work was gone. I panicked. I ran around the whole place. And then, while I was rummaging around the trash in case someone had thrown my stuff away, I heard something coming from the music producers. It was my song. And Ari and her producer were laughing and toasting something. You... You stole my songs! (laughs) What did you think? You were just gonna live on my dime for free? It's just business, kid. Just how the industry works. Luckily, your voice sounds a bit like a girl's and close enough to Ari's, so we can sell all your work as if she's the one who wrote and sang them. I... I'll get you for this. Not before I get my money's worth first. Ari and her producer locked me up in one of the studios, and they locked me in there with four bodyguards. I was in there for three days, and I didn't know what to do until I got a brilliant idea. I pretended to see my parents outside. I acted my heart out. Help! You have to stop them, or they'll try to steal me! And the bodyguards believed me. They ran out of the room to chase after what they thought were my parents. What they didn't know was that because I spent all my time in the studios, I knew exactly what the layout of the building was. It took no more than two seconds to get up onto the vents. I crawled quietly, and then... As I heard the commotion of them looking for me, I dropped out of the alleyway. I ran away for the second time in my life. But this time, I didn't feel free. I just felt like a massive loser for letting the girl I loved steal my life's work. I lived in the streets for weeks. My only comfort was my new friend, Sam. She was homeless, too, and she helped me a lot. I didn't know how to survive, so I bussed in the sidewalks, the parks, and the train subway stations. My talent was finally working for me. I earned a bunch of money. I saved it all up, thinking I could maybe get enough to be able to rent a small room until I got back on my feet. But one morning, as I woke up in the park bench that Sam and I slept on, I saw that everything I owned had been stolen. Even Sam's stuff was gone too. I was left with nothing but the jacket I had on. I was so mad that I got stolen from again, and it reminded me of Ari. That I threw the jacket she bought me on the day she helped me escape my parents' house. But as I fell to the ground, I noticed a piece of paper sticking out from the secret pocket. I opened it up and saw that it was an old song I wrote. It was the birthday song I wrote when I was depressed on my 16th birthday. It was the last remaining song that Ari wasn't able to steal. I was about to cry. Instead, I stood up and stood on a small stage. I sang that song with all my heart. Even when tears began flowing down my cheeks. For the first time in a very long time, I put all my emotions into my music. Then one person came to watch. Then two. And then suddenly there was a crowd around me. People were taking videos. Many of them were crying too. I got so many tips that day. But more than that, I felt so happy that my music was able to reach people. My song about my life touched people's emotions. I was so proud. The next morning, I was woken by a guy in a suit. He was a reporter, and behind him were ten more reporters from all the different networks. I had gone viral. I was on TikTok, YouTube. Every single social media was blowing up with my singing. I gave interviews, and in them, I told everyone of my story and how Artie stole my songs. Her career and the producer's career was over after that. I got signed by a pretty big recording company. I went on tour, and then I married Sam. I rescued her from the streets and took her wherever my tours took me. One day, during my anniversary concert, I saw my parents in the crowd far away. It was my birthday, and people were singing happy birthday for me. My parents hated that. I could see it in their faces. But having that happen while they were in the crowd was so satisfying, because they always made me feel like my birth never mattered. But now, thousands of people were celebrating my existence. I thanked my fans, I kissed my wife, and then I jumped into the crowd as I smiled in triumph.
1: I'm Henry and when I was a little boy, I realized I wanted a different life from what I knew. I was sick of all the rules. Every morning, a maid would wake me up by throwing all the curtains wide open. I needed to be at the breakfast table with my parents at 7.30 on the dot. I would get driven to Eton, and there I'd have a private tutoring session. The only thing I looked forward to at school were my friends. At around lunchtime, we'd eat together, and then I got to join in on their classes for the afternoon. I know some people don't like boarding schools, but I wish my parents would let me board instead of driving every day. I wanted freedom, I guess. A lot of people talk about it like it was some sort of magical thing. I never knew what that was like. My every move has been watched by people my whole life, from the moment I came into this world, the media, the country, the whole world even. I just wanted a normal life. I fantasized about having a normal high school experience, like what you see in those Hollywood movies so with the help of my friends i ran away they climbed up to my window and busted me out of the palace jude drove us to a private hangar and they put a disguise on me jude handed a wad of cash to his dad's pilot i hugged all three of them and said my goodbyes and just like that i was in the air and on my way to los angeles to live out the life i'd always dreamed of The first thing I saw when we landed was my face on the front page of every newspaper. Prince goes missing, the headlines said. Lucas arranged the place I would stay at. It was lucky that his family had a mansion there and they rarely visited it. Paul helped me too. He hacked into the U.S. government sites and faked my identity. He sent me a fake ID, a fake passport, and opened a bank account for me to which he transferred my money. He enrolled me into a high school nearby, and that very next Monday, I started my dream life. Everyone was excited about the kid who was transferring in the middle of sophomore year, and I made a bunch of friends. They were all curious about the accent. I got a job at a car wash. I knew I had to sell the idea that I was just a normal kid and I didn't want anyone suspecting that I was rich. I rode a bike to school and never invited anyone to the house. I joined the rugby team, and that's where I met Damien. I had a bad feeling about him from the moment we met, and that was immediately confirmed when during tryouts, he never even needed to play. I just saw his dad talking to the coach, and he was immediately accepted. Not only that, he became the captain. The rookie got promoted on his first day. It was unbelievable. I started dating a girl who sat behind me in Spanish. Her name was Laura, and I guess, for some reason, Damien considered me his rival. Probably because, even though he was the rugby captain, he was the worst player we had. And I was the best. Yo, introduce me to that girl you're seeing, and I'm gonna bench you the whole season. No thanks, find your own girlfriend. (laughs) I don't like her, and I just wanna see you squirm. Bugger off, Damien. Or what? What if I tell everyone your little secret, your majesty? It's your royal highness, you ignorant- Wait, what? Oh, yeah. I know all about you. I read the news, and your disguise is awful. Now, give me your girl's number or I'll ruin your little vacation. One phone call and your family will come scoop you up and take you back to where you belong." I had no choice, and I guess it turned out to be the right move, because as soon as Laura found out that Damien was rich, she jumped ship like I was the Titanic, and she showed her true colors. I asked her to talk about it, but she dumped me in a text, told me she couldn't meet up because she had a family thing. Come to find out, she was at the same Halloween party as I was that very same night, only she had a date. Damien. Unsurprisingly, I was furious. Don't act so surprised, Henry. Did you really think I'd stay with you now that I know Damien wants me? You're literally penniless, an orphan, and you have a weird accent. Nobody really bothered with how I sounded until then. But when Laura said it, everyone laughed. And from that moment on, the kids at school would just chuckle every time I talked. They would imitate me, and they were bad imitations too. They spoke like chavs and not in the same accent as royalty like me would have. But I didn't want to stick out even more than I already did, so I just kept my head down and laughed it off. I wanted to live this life. I wanted the American high school experience that I saw in the movies. But when Damien took it too far, I had no other choice but to reveal who I was. We went to a lake for camp that year, and weird things kept happening. Kids complained that their stuff kept going missing, and it wasn't just small things either. One kid had a laptop stolen, another had her earrings taken from her while she was sleeping. About ten other kids got their phones stolen. Damien, with the help of my ex, spread rumors that I was the one taking the other kid's stuff during summer camp. He's the only poor one here. He works at a car wash. He clearly needs the money. Yeah, Damien's right. I couldn't just let it stand anymore. Why would I need your silly trinkets? I'm literally a prince. (laughs) He's delusional now, too. Stop spewing nonsense and give us back what you stole, or we'll call the cops. I'm Prince Henry! You have the internet! Google me! Everyone laughed at me and called me Loopy. Damien knew the truth, and he just kept lying and lying. I couldn't hold it in anymore. I lunged at him. We tussled and rolled around on the forest floor. You lying scumbag! Tell them! Tell them you know it's true! You cheat, you lie, and you manipulate my girlfriend to be with you, even though you don't even like her! What?! Liar! Laura joined in on the scrap. She started pulling me away from Damien, and the crowd was closing in on me, demanding me to cough up their stuff that I didn't have. Enough! I thought I was hearing things. I thought I'd somehow teleported home. But when I looked up, it was really them. Jude, Lucas, and Paul were looking down at me, parting the crowd and reaching down to help me off the ground. dare you treat a prince like this? Yeah, if we weren't in America, you lot would be charged with treason! What? Why are you here? We've got holidays too, mate, and what better way to spend them than to join you on your little adventure? I finally took my disguise off, and everyone gasped. They realized I wasn't lying. For some odd reason, people started bowing, some curtsied. It was very weird, and at that perfect moment, Damien's bag burst. It must have torn from when we were rolling around in the dirt, and ten phones, a pair of earrings, and a few laptops were spewed everywhere. Even I was shocked. All along, it was him. The parents were called, but after scolding Damien for what he did, they didn't press charges. It was all thanks to his dad. He knelt in front of the parents and begged them not to ruin his son's future. It turns out they weren't rich anymore. The dad had lost all their money in a pyramid scheme, and Damien was determined to keep up appearances so he would regularly steal and shoplift. The moment we heard that, Laura immediately broke up with him and came running back to me but I rejected her, but she kept showing up at the mansion. One day, she managed to break in and found me, Lucas, Paul, and Jude lounging at the pool with all the popular girls who now wanted to date my friends and me. I... I'm sorry. It's all my fault. I was blinded by his promises, and I thought he was rich. Ah, a gold digger who admits it. (laughs) Ha ha! That's rare! You should defo get back with her. Okay, on one condition. Do everything I tell you. As you can see, this house is huge. I'm gonna need a maid. Say that again. Your voice is music to my ears. And you said my accent was weird. What? No! No, your accent isn't weird! I love your accent. All right, go fetch me a bottle of water. Chop, chop. She ran faster than I'd ever seen anyone do so, and when she returned, she was carrying a bucket of ice from which she fished out several brands of the fanciest of bottled waters. I made her clean the house for an entire week. I made her cook me breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I made her walk my dogs, and she did all of that with a smile, but I knew her real motives. She thought she could land a prince and become a duchess that's all she was after so after i'd punished her thoroughly i locked her out of the mansion i stationed 20 guards to make sure she never broke in again i posted photos of her desperately waving at me from outside the gate she became a laughing stock the most satisfying thing was having celebrities over and dating a movie star while laura watched from afar the life she could have had if she wasn't so obsessed with fame and fortune I did fall in love during my time in America. She was a simple girl from the country. She grew up on a farm and had no evil ambitions. Her name was Stacy, and when she and her family visited me at Lucas's mansion, I made sure I kissed her as Laura watched, and I saw the hope in her eyes fade as she regretted every decision she made.
0: Amen